Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast 66 for Wednesday, July 7th, 2010. The website is klezmerpodcast.com, and my email address is keith at klezmerpodcast.com. I'll be getting to this episode's interview in just a moment, but before I do, I want to remind you that a great way to help support the Klezmer Podcast is to buy your music through the Klezmer Podcast online store, the Klezmer Podcast Music Delicatessen. All you have to do is go to klezmerpodcast.com, click on the link Buy Music Here, and it'll take you directly to the online music store where you can find my favorite CDs, books, and also some great stage gear for your band. Also, I am available to speak for groups and events, so if you'd like to hear me talk about Jewish and Klezmer music, Contact me at Keith at KlezmerPodcast.com. All right, next up is my interview with New York-based guitarist John Madoff of the band Rashanim and also the band Circuit Breaker. He's also very involved in a project called Pioneers for a Cure, a Jewish musician's fundraising effort for finding the cure for cancer. And after the interview, we'll get to hear a track from his band Rashanim. So here we go with my interview with John Madoff. Hi, this is Keith with Klesmer Podcast, and uh, today I'm very happy to be speaking uh, over my Skype with uh, John Madoff from uh, the band Rashanim, among others. Uh, hi, John. Welcome to Klesmer Podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um. I'm trying to figure out where to start. I, I've been uh, seeing that you're doing so many different things uh, and so many different groups that you're involved with. But um, I'll just start with the way we uh, – I usually start just ask how you got interested in, in doing uh, Jewish music and, and what your inspiration was. Uh, it goes back a, a little while, not not so long. I didn't, I didn't really grow up with, with – uh, Jewish music, my family was really musical household. My dad's um, passion, I guess, is folk music, and my mom really loves opera and classical music. So I started studying jazz when I was a teenager and studied it in college also. And then just through, you know, what it really was, it was through the, the knitting factory kind of downtown scene in the 80s and 90s. And a lot of those people were getting into Jewish music along with um, Middle Eastern music, Eastern European music, North African music, they were starting to explore that. Um, not only John Zorn with Masada, but also there was a group um, called Pachora and Dave Douglas with his Tiny Bell Trio. It seemed like it was in people's consciousness around that time, just as I was getting into some of the other stuff in that scene. So I kind of went along with it and started checking out um, other music in that, in that vein. Well, okay. So, what was uh, the first group that you started? You're a guitar player. Do you play other things uh, as well? I play a little bass and a little keyboard, but that's mostly like recording when I can go back and fix it after I after I mess up. Guitar is really my main instrument. Was Rashanim your first uh, group, or did you uh, start with something before that? And, and tell me about what Rashanim is all about. Sure. Um, so, I had groups going. I'm from Philadelphia originally, so I had groups there when I was in high school. Or, Mostly rock, classic rock. We got into um, 
I was, you know, the group of friends that I was in, we all kind of like got into the whole DIY do it yourself ethic. And, and it wasn't really called indie music back then, but I guess it was called more like punk or underground music bands like Fugazi, Black Flag. Um, I don't know if underground is, is the right word. They're pretty popular, but bands like that, who like, especially Fugazi, they would, you know, they just had this amazing and still do those guys that the, the ethic of like, you know, we're going to do it ourselves and put it out and make our own concerts wherever we can and do everything on our terms. And that really like resonated with, with my friends and I. So, and I think I still have a lot of that attitude today as do a lot of my friends um, that I still work with, but you know, I was doing rock and then somehow I just started just getting curious about jazz and heard some great jazz guitar players, especially Wes Montgomery and Jim Hall were my two biggest, still my two favorite guitar players. Um, before I started, before I got into the more modern generation of like Bill Frizzell and John Schofield and Mike Stern and those people. So I was kind of like a jazz snob for a while. Um, not that I'm necessarily proud of that, but <laughs> I wasn't, it, it, it was really good for my musical education because it's such a challenge to play jazz. So this is kind of going all over the place. But um, when, after college, I moved back to Philly and studied with a, a phenomenal um, guitar player in Philly named Jimmy Bruno and started a band with a great bass player in Philly named Mike Taylor. And we had this group that was kind of doing things, you know, some traditional stuff, but also some more in the knitting factory model we were really into um and still am into um a bass player named mario pavone um the the great the late unfortunately great saxophone player thomas chapin who passed away gosh probably like 15 years ago now his music had a huge impact on me and my friend mike um so like i said with the you know getting into jewish music it was kind of all it seemed to be going in that direction i also my wife and i moved to new york city um my wife and I moved to New York City in 2000, and I wanted to start a band that was doing this stuff. So um, I started Rashanim. I, I think I got a gig at the Knitting Factory uh, before I had a band together because I had played there before. So I figured if I had a gig, that would be a good reason to get a band together. And, and that, <laughs> That's a good uh, way to attract people to be in your band, too, if you already got a yeah, the gig, right? Yeah, but after I was like, that's not... You know, is this really smart? Because what if I can't find? It was I had enough uh, lead time. I had like two months, so I figured at least I'll be able to do something. You know, find a band, and, write some songs. Two yeah. months, no problem. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it worked wonderfully, and um, that was Rashanim's first gig. I think it was in December two thousand, maybe two thousand one. No, it was two thousand. It was two thousand. Um, so I met. My bass player, Shanir Blumenkrantz, who's in a lot of the other Sodic bands, works a lot with John Zorn, um, from a band that he was in called Satla with um, Daniel Zamir as the saxophone player and Kevin Zubek as the drummer, or was. I mean, they're not, they're not, the, that band doesn't perform anymore, but they, they were really great. And I saw Shanir and offered him the gig and hooked up with some other people who I had known in Philly. And um, it took a while for Rashanim to really congeal or, you know, like solidify into a trio. Um, people in the band, it was a quartet at first with a horn. Then we had a clarinetist and then that didn't really work, you know, sensibility, artistically, sensibility wise. So um, we became a trio. And that's also when we started working with John Zorn, putting out records on Sodic. 
Um, I can tell you more of the history if you want, but that's kind of how we started. All right. Well, that's pretty good. But tell me about um, the music that you do with Russian. It seems to be uh, pretty much original stuff, or do you get inspiration from, uh, you know, from where? There's definitely a lot of inspiration from different places. Um, and Russian has changed a lot. I think uh, when we started, it was definitely in the mold of like bands that were combining jazz with Jewish music. This is oversimplification, but in some way it's really true. Um, when I first started it, my goal was to combine jazz with Jewish music and Middle Eastern and Eastern European music. Um, largely on Zorn's encouragement because it's what he heard in the music and was our strong, the strongest statements that we made were more incorporating rock music and limiting the other influences to Jewish influences. Um, he felt, and I think, I think he was really right on about it, that we were spreading ourselves a little too thin. We'd have one song that was like, uh, you know, klezmer jazz. And then we'd have another song that was like, um, a North African kind of scale with like Middle Eastern percussion, you know, and, it was nice and it was people enjoyed it, but, but it, it kind of was spread too thin and lacked some focus. So when the band became a trio and we started working with Sorn and our influences got more pared down, um, I felt it solidify much more into like the term that, that came to me, which is a bit tongue in cheek, but it's kind of how I think of it is that we're a Jewish power trio. Um, power trio, meaning like a, you know, usually guitar based drums. If you think of bands like, um, the police is a power trio, Jimi Hendrix experience was a power trio. Um, it's more of a rock, you know, name that people use, but, um, it's, it's better than telling yourselves alternative or uh, roots or something, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it kind of describes what we do. I mean, certainly there's jazz influences and improvisation and things like that, but, I, I feel more of the aesthetic comes from rock music um, and as well as Jewish music. You know, I think those are our two biggest influences. Those are, those are huge. I mean, rock could be anything is a wide spectrum and Jewish music is an incredibly wide spectrum too. Um, but we kind of have found our own way to navigate through that, that, that works best for who we are. And it just like solidifies over time. And sometimes you don't really plan on it, you know, um, rock music was the last thing I saw myself doing 10 years ago, but it's truer to me. I most of the music I listen to now is rock. Just find myself wanting to listen to in the car or, you know, e returning emails at home or whatever. Um, but you did ask about some of the influences, some of the specific influences. Um, I guess it's a bit obvious, but John Zorn is probably my number one influence, not only, um, in, obviously work on his label. So, um, but he's been an influence on me f since a long time before I met him. I've been listening to him since I was in college and just his whole aesthetic and way of approaching things. And also the way he approaches Jewish music is very, very close to how we do it. The influences, it's like not necessarily the like horn and violin based klezmer. It's kind of, it's there, but it's also like a, there's definitely a Sephardic aspect to the influences that we have in the Jewish music and the rhythms that I use. Um, as far as rock, the rock influences, definitely Fugazi and other, other bands that were using punk music, but in a, in a bit of a, a deeper way from a musical standpoint, you know, Fugazi's music is very layered and polyrhythmic and, and, um, 
harmonically a little bit richer. Um, I can go, I don't want to take too much time going into other influences, but I can if you want to talk about it right, all day. Right, right, right. I we, uh, we get the, uh, the the general idea of that, right. but um, but it's all instrumental, right? Uh, from what I've sampled so far, uh, is, um, you're not doing vocals, right? Right. Uh, there, there are a few tracks on the, our last record is all acoustic that we did last year for Exotic. And we did a couple kind of vocal chants on there. Very minimal. And we are kind of approach it in an instrumental way. We don't put the vocals way up in the mix as if it's like voice with accompaniment. But 95, 99% of our music is, is instrumental. Right. So the, the vocal is really like a, an extra instrument, really. It's yeah. blended in with the band. Yeah, exactly. I love playing with vocalists, but it just didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, kind of in the cards for this band, I think. Right. Um, and we're going to listen to, a, a track from, uh, I guess that, that album, uh, judges. Right. Right. So, um, judges is the song and the album is the gathering. Right. Okay. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that before we listen to it? Um, the album itself, we, we, we've done, we had done three previous records for John, um, our debut, which was mostly original stuff. And, and, and is really like, I enjoy it. I enjoy it still, but it's, it's spread too thin. I think there's too much, there's too much going on as far as what we're trying to do. Okay. So, um, we had done three records for Sadek. The first one was a lot of original stuff, but it was spread a bit too thin and, um, things solidified on the next record, Masada rock. Um, as the Jewish power trio kind of concept. And then we did the, the next one, Shalosh, which just means three. That's what was our third record. Um, and that was, to me, was kind of like Masada Rock Volume 2. It was my take on that aesthetic that we had hit upon and um, gotten into on Masada Rock. Then when it came time to do our fourth record, we were like, okay, so what are we going to do now? I didn't want to do something that was too similar. So we started thinking of a concept and the original concept was that it was going to be a surf rock record because surf rock is like really, I just love the aesthetic of it. It has just the tinge of irony and you can really, really like dig in in that music. And we did a few gigs and Shanir, my bass player, Shanir Blumenkrantz, called me on the phone the night after one of our gigs. He was like, man, I was excited. I thought it was going to be cool. He said, man, this isn't working. It's not really gelling. So he actually... Um, said that he wanted to produce the record and that he wanted to do an all acoustic record. And I said, wow, that's interesting. Um, that's what we did. We got a few more gigs before we recorded, found a concept for the acoustic record. It was going to be a dark kind of sound. He was going to, he wasn't going to play an upright bass. He was going to play a, an acoustic bass guitar. And we went in with that attitude and I'm really, really, really happy with it. Um, it was a challenge for us. It was all acoustic instruments. There's no electric instruments on the record. Um, Matthias really does some amazing percussion on there, and um, which I think is a real strength of his. A lot of layering. He sang a little bit. Shanir and I sang. Um, we just found all kinds of weird acoustic instruments. We tuned our guitars differently. So this song, Judges, is actually kind of more a more traditional approach to acoustic music. I'm happy with it, but... I think you can kind of still hear the surf rock influence there, but we just kind of like, okay, we're just going to play this one. You know, it has some different parts and I think hopefully a catchy kind of melody. And so that's, you know, that's the song. Right. It, it does seem a, a, a pretty Middle Eastern influence in that song, yeah. or maybe even a little bit of Spanish. 
yeah, which uh, yeah. I really like. Yeah, yeah. I think somebody said like, "Oh, it's Gypsy Kings," you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, who are great. I mean, that's you right, know, definitely right. has that kind of sound. Yeah, it's a it's a great sound. So um, we'll listen to that, and uh, we'll be right back. Okay, so that was uh, Judges from from uh, Roshanim, The Gathering, right? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, now, I also found, poking around, um, another group called Circuit Breaker. Yeah. 
Why don't you tell me about what that's all about? I, I like that one because it's got a couple of my favorite horn players in there. So uh, <laughs> tell me about uh, what, what you were doing with, with that and expanding the group. Sure. Circuit Breaker, um, I had an idea for a large group that wasn't going to do Jewish music, you know, something different from Rashanim and some of the other stuff that I've done. And kind of partly based on not the, the aesthetic of the music, but the way that D John Zorn um, does his electric Masada group, which is a large group using, using his Masada songs. But he does a lot of conducting in the band and, and, and really like drives the band in certain directions, which a lot of people with large bands don't do because it's a difficult problem to figure out how to solve is like how, you know, how do you get a large group of musicians to do stuff um, together? It's a, it's a simple, but it's a simple problem and the solutions are, are, are not so simple sometimes. So I had that, I had basically an idea that I would write these very, very, very simple tunes, like eight measures long, I think is the longest tune. I think one might be 16 measures, but I would write different parts that, that were all loops. So it would be that it would be like a melody, second melody, something for the horn or keyboard to do and a bass line. And sometimes I write out the drum beat and I said, okay, we're going to work with this material and kind of think of it like a DJ. We're going to cut it up. We're going to have different people come in and out. And so the music, it turned out, this wasn't my plan originally, but the music is very, very easy to learn. So the stuff that I've done with circuit breaker, we don't rehearse. I just give the music to people when we show up and, it's so simple. It's like very simple melodies and things like that. But then I have a, a sheet that explains the, my conducting system. I kind of made a conducting system for it. Simple, simple things like telling people to stop, to start, to play the melody, to accompany a soloist, to imitate other people, which is something that Zorn does, to, um, to trade back and forth. I, I arranged the band in sections. So my, the best version of the band, we did a gig at a club in, in Brooklyn called Southpaw. And the best version is, it's basically two bands put together. Um, it's two drummers, two percussionists, two guitar players. That we had uh, three horns, I think, and a keyboard player and bass. So like 10 or 11 people. So I kind of would like on stage think of like, oh, I could have the bass player, one drummer and one guitar play. And then at a, a, you know, at the snap of a hand or a signal, a whole other group of musicians is going to play. So it's really cool interplay like that. And we can make these really long, interesting, intricate, grooving songs that have lots of different sections, but it's all done, you know, live. It's not, it's not planned out. Um, we did a few gigs and that, that Southpaw gig with Greg Wall, Frank London, Jessica Lurie was playing saxophone whole bunch of other people. Um, it was really fun. Unfortunately, since then, I haven't been able to do it again because, so I need to pay people something to come out and work for me and play my music. And um, it's just something that I would, I, I think I will get back into. But my goal at that point, it was over the course of like a few months, I was like, you know what, I just want to see if this, I want to see if I can get this off the ground. And then I knew that I probably wouldn't be able to take it farther than that um, as far as touring or recording because it's so many people. But um, I just wanted to do it, and the musicians were amazing, and obviously I would never have been able to do anything with it without them. And everybody asks me about it. It's so funny. Like The musicians are like, when are we going to do that again? Because it was really fun. Um, and I will. I just need to find the right opportunity. Right. 
Well, I, I I saw that there was a YouTube of it on on your uh, site there, so I I looked at that, and so I thought it was pretty cool. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I play yeah. trumpet, so uh, anything oh. with horns in it is I like, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. Frank <laughs> Frank was great. He he was great actually because he he did something that I didn't plan. In the middle of the first song, he decided that he was going to take over the horn section, and he was going to like take my conducting methods, but he was just going to be in charge of the horn section. And that was like such a cool idea because I would be conducting other people and playing and then they would just like do something all together. And I didn't know what was going on at first. Like it wasn't something I wrote. He was just like, <laughs> play this, you know, that, 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 you know, it was like, like an Afrobeat kind of thing. And then after I was like, man, that was amazing. You're like, you're like the second conductor. So it opens up a lot of possibilities for that. He, he is the, really the master of finding interesting things for horns to do outside of the melody. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He I, is. I yeah. see him at uh, Kles Canada every year, and it's it's always uh, amazing. Just you know, watching the wheels turn in his brain as he's trying to figure out what what he can be doing with everybody. Right, right. Yeah, he's amazing. He, he just loves that sort of thing. And yeah. before I forget, I want to mention that Matthias is like one of the most amazing percussionists I've seen. I, I saw him last year with uh, Leova and the Contraband. Oh, and. Just watch him live. First time I'd ever seen him, heard him, or anything, and just watching him was amazing. They were in California. Uh, no, I saw them in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Leova is great, and and Matthias is is unbelievable. Yeah, he's great. He he's a phenomenal drummer, um, and has really grown, I think, and gotten a lot deeper as a drummer in the last several years. But percussion, he has a special resonance with percussion. You know, yeah, he, really he does that. He puts out a lot of. A lot of music and from one guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know how yeah. he does it, but it's, it's yeah. really cool. That's amazing. So uh, last thing I wanted to talk with you about is Pioneers for the Cure. And uh, I saw you got a, a page for that um, as well. Why don't you tell me um, the background of that and, and how you got everybody uh, or how everybody got together to do this project? Sure. Well, I, I came in after Pioneers for a Cure already existed. It was the brainchild of... Um, a guy in New Jersey who's kind of an anonymous philanthropist um, who everybody calls DJM, the initials DJM. So um, he basically put up the funding and the initial idea for this organization that would raise money for cancer charities through downloads of songs. That's basically the idea. Um, and he started by recording um, songs from the Israeli pioneers. So that's where Pioneers for a Cure comes from, the Chalitzim. The, these songs were distributed. It's not, it's not a very well-known story in Israeli history and Jewish history, but these songs were distributed on postcards, obviously before there was, there was any like mass media communication that we have today. So they would distribute these songs on postcards. So, so to facilitate, um, you know, commonality in the music that people knew who were coming to Israel, like this is like first Aliyah, like first, you know, pre-state, way pre-state, like late 19th century, I think 1880s, 1890s was, um, I'm not sure when they started doing the postcards, but that was the impetus was people coming from all over the world to Israel and they wanted to facilitate a common musical language that everybody would have. So they, they distributed these postcards. So that's what it started out as. Um, it was DJM and a guy named Ricky Orbach, who's also a musician. He has a great band called Kohane of Newark. And he had the idea along with DJM. They, they did it and they brought on Greg Wall, um, who I've been friends with for, for several years and who I, I met actually when he played at my wedding. 
Um, but he is the musical producer of the project. So he basically got all these musicians together, emailed us postcards, actual, you know, PDF um, scans of these beautiful old Israeli postcards. And we all did the music, recorded it. And um, that's basically the project. It's expanded to that. He started with American Jewish musicians or, you know, it, not everybody's Jewish, but doing Jewish music. Then he's got some wonderful American artists to do it. And they're doing like old American songs some beautiful old American songs. And then last year or two years ago, they went to Israel and recorded a bunch of Israeli artists doing um, Israeli folk tunes. And they're not all pioneer songs, but that's basically the idea. So we have this huge body of music created by there's like 50 or 60 songs at least. Um, and right now, one thing that's been lacking is like a really amazing website that allows people to navigate the whole thing. So that's what we're working on now. I came in as a, a musician. My Rashanim did a song um, that Shanir kind of produced, turned into this epic Ennio Morricone kind of thing, which was fun. And I got in trouble with my wife because I came home too late. But it's, uh, it's a good, you know, I'm happy with the song. But um, I also do graphic design. That's kind of like a day gig that I do. I do freelance graphic design. So I came on, I'm, I'm the project's graphic designer also. So I design the CDs and I'm working on the website and things like that. So it's been great. It's a great project. And I think the new website will really take it to another level. Great. And the website for that is? Pioneersforacure.org. Very good. All one word. Yeah, you can go there now. It's everything's there, but it will be much better soon. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. So yeah. um, that's great, and all the proceeds go for uh, cancer research and treatment. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Every artist picks a charity that they get to, that their proceeds go to, um, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I I think most people would have done it if it was just going into a a, a pool of money. That would be disseminated, disseminated. But like, you know, a lot of people unfortunately have been affected by cancer personally or in their families. I, I have a very good friend who um, had cancer when she was younger and she went to um, Camp Simcha, which is a great camp for kids with cancer. And that's so I donated, you know, I'm donating Rashanim's money to that. But other people do all kinds of organizations here, uh, internationally, here and in Israel, everywhere. That's an interesting idea. So rather than Pioneers for a Cure being the charity, they you give the money out to whoever the artists decide they want their tracks money to go to. Right, right, right. And I think it works better logistically that we can be the conduit for raising money for other organizations. And it's had a wonderful effect of like bringing so many people together. We've done a couple of concerts and I've gotten to meet and work with a lot of great musicians who I had known about but had never met. So that's been that's been great, too. That's great. Um, well, anything uh, else you wanted to mention that I haven't asked you about yet? Um, I guess you know, the, the only aspect of my work that I've been doing recently that's kind of a new thing is, is music for film and, uh, and some television work and stuff. That's kind of where I've been focusing a lot of my efforts recently, um, partly out of financial consideration and partly just the the, uh, you know, the goal of wanting to do music, but also I have three small kids and, um, um, you know, my wife and I split our time with the kids. And so that's just kind of the other aspect of people, of, of what I'm doing. Cause people, sometimes people ask me, like, I'll get an email or see someone and say, 
what's Rachanim doing? You know, like they think I'm, I'm not, you know, like I'm sitting home doing nothing. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm really busy, but I've been doing, you know, film and television music. Well, that's the good thing about, about the film and television work is you can do most of that from home. You, you're not on yeah. the road. Yeah. That's been amazing. I couldn't believe the first time I did it. I was like, wow, I got paid and I didn't leave my apartment. That was great. You know? So yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, that's out, out here in Los Angeles. That's the way a lot of stuff is done now. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, yeah. um, where can we be looking for Rashanim? Uh, <laughs> uh, any, any gigs you've got, uh, coming up or, uh, uh, mentioned the recent album or you're going to have a, a new album in the works or anything else going on? I definitely have some, have some ideas for directions that the band will go in, but the, the new album is still, what I'm doing now is looking for good places to play because to do an acoustic concert is, is a big challenge. I'm finding to get it to really sound good. So we're looking for, we did a gig at Joe's pub in New York city for our CD release, which was great, but we've done a couple other ones that the sound just isn't as good. Um, as I'd like it to be. So I'm looking for some other opportunities to do that. I think we'll probably, um, we've done tours in Europe, uh, several times. We were at the, uh, the Tzadik festival in Poznan, Poland, this in July, 2009. And I think we'll be doing more touring, but that's also like, I want to be home with my kids. So it's hard to go away. Um, but yeah, more recording, touring, um, nothing, Nothing definite, nothing in the can, but we're just going to keep going. <laughs> Great. All right. So if people uh, want more information about you and, and your groups and uh, to buy the CDs or the tracks, where can they go? Um, you can go to johnmadoff.com, J-O-N-M-A-D-O-F, one F. Bernie Madoff has two. I have one. It's a thin line, but it's there. So <laughs> johnmadoff.com or MySpace dot com slash rashanim r-a-s-h-a-n-i-m okay thanks very much so uh sure appreciate taking the time uh let you get back to uh digging out from the snow <laughs> yeah thanks, thanks. I'm, I'm sure you have a service though so uh everybody probably does there a, a uh, snow uh, collection uh, service? Uh, yeah yeah no i do it i do it that's my oh, exercise you, all right yeah and my kids, my, my, I have a four-and-a-half-year-old and a, a three-year-old boy, and they have little snow shovels. And it's kind of amazing what they can do with little shovels. So, yeah, we're going to go out soon. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, uh, John Madoff and Roshanim and Circuit Breaker and Pioneers for a Cure, <laughs> thanks very much for uh, visiting thanks. with me on Closer Podcast. Thank you, Keith. All right. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Tamir Muscat from Balkan Beatbox, and you are listening to ClaysmerPodcast.com. Okay, I'm back. That was my interview with John Madoff, New York-based guitarist of Rashanim, Circuit Breaker, and Pioneers for the Cure. And the track we heard was called Judges from the album The Gathering by Rashanim. I'd like to thank John for appearing on the program and for supplying the track for us to listen to. Uh, I look forward to hearing a lot more from John in the future. Again, the website is closemerpodcast.com. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to have your music played or appear on the podcast, or if you have a new or soon-to-be-released CD you would like me to review, 
please write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. And as a reminder, the music heard on Klezmer Podcast is for promotional purposes only and is used with permission. So that's it for Klezmer Podcast 67. Thanks for listening. Please stay subscribed, tell your friends, and until next time, bye for now.